Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Our guest today is Chris DaCosta, who is the chief executive officer of Swift Fuels. They are a global leader in the development of next generation aviation fuels, and they're leading the nationwide transition to unleaded aviation gasoline. Chris is an entrepreneur in clean fuels, and he's had 30 years in the oil and petrochemical industry. Welcome to the show today. Chris. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So so let's talk about Swift Fuels. I gave a great big generalization of what you do. You're leading uh, the nation in that transition to the unleaded aviation gasoline, as I mentioned. But tell us, tell us more specifically what Swift Fuels is doing and uh, what, what the impact of that is going to be. Okay, fine. The Aviation gasoline market is a very, very small market uh, beside auto gasoline, jet fuel, diesel fuel, which is major sectors of the transportation fuel market. Aviation gasoline specifically is for propeller airplanes, piston engine airplanes. Mm. And that segment is still using lead in its gasoline. And there's been a move afoot for the last 20 plus years, EPA and the medical community to get rid of lead. So we've been working carefully with the FAA and the EPA and others to, in a transition step, to try to eliminate lead from the gasoline and make it become unleaded. So SWIFT has a technology. We're entrepreneurs in this space. We've been working with a broad section of the industry, both oil and gas companies, engine makers, aircraft companies, and a wide host of other fuel experts in order to find the right niche of a fuel and the fuel's capabilities and performance characteristics to solve this problem. Yeah, and you make a good point there. Some listeners might think, wow, you know, you take lead out of fuel. But as you say, you have to work with so many different players in the industry because you can take the lead out of fuel, but it still has to be able to do what it needs to do. Like you say, you have to, with the engine makers and all the different characters. And so um, you've, it's been quite a process, it sounds like. That's correct. Really, starting it with the last amendment to the Clean Air Act and the National Air Quality Standards in the early 1990s, the FAA took it upon themselves to really champion an effort to find alternatives. This is before SWIFT's time. And they investigated two or 300 different fuel formulations. They were working with oil companies and other, other participants at the time just on a volunteer basis. And SWIFT came along in the late 2000, you know, the first decade of the 2000s and had some new ideas and those took hold, and then our company was bought out by a new majority owner in 2012, which is right about the time that I started uh, as CEO. And and we looked at that technology, tried to find ways to really make that technology commercially viable for the industry. And now we have an ASTM specification for the fuel. It's the only high-octane unleaded specification in the world at this time. ASTM is a global entity. Uh, We're the only company currently selling an unleaded aviation gasoline in the U.S. market space. Uh, No one else does that today. It's a lower octane alternative, and we're in a program called PAFI, spelled P-A-F-I, which is a FAA collaboration with industry to evaluate high octane, really the highest octane alternatives to fully replace 100 low lead, and we're in the final phase of that program as well. Okay, and 
tell us about the status of that phase. When do you see that testing being completed and so forth? Right. So there's about 190,000 different uh, piston engine airplanes that span from the early, like the 1930s, all the way to now. So a hun- there's a, a hun- huge... 190,000? There's 190,000 wow. piston airplanes, yep. And they span a, a long number, you know, many generations of uh, capability. There's antiques, there's warbirds, vintage airplanes, there's a new, sh- uh, a new era of light sports, there's the classic, you know... Uh, single and, and twin-engine aircraft, there's a, there's a whole huge variety, which makes part of our job so challenging. Yes. And that, that population of airplane consumes about 200 million gallons of, of this gasoline every year, aviation gasoline every year. And the, those airplanes are scattered across about 20,000 airfields across the country. So it's very diversified, very spread out. Um, therein lies the challenge. So when you have a replacement fuel for the 100 low lead, which is currently in the marketplace, our fuel has to have the right technology, the right performance characteristics, but it's also got to become compatible with all those wide variety of aircraft all the way back to the 1930s. So that's a, a big challenge, taking the lead out and putting something in its place that will be compatible, effective, perform properly in the engine, and, and be commercially viable in the marketplace. And Swift Fuel thinks we have that solution. Yeah, it sounds like, I mean, what an undertaking that is. And basically, you know, tapping into your entrepreneurial side, basically what happened is that many years ago, you perceived this change in the law that was coming, saw a market opportunity, and you've taken it from there. I mean, that's just a fascinating yeah. story, and to be able to um, get this far with it. What are, you've mentioned uh, PFAI or PAFI. Uh, what are some of the key milestones that we need to watch for through, what did you say, 2019, another couple of years or so? Yeah, so the final the final deliverables from the PAFI program happened in 2018, 2019. And I just kind of quickly go back to the earlier question. So PAFI formulated a plan in early 2014. There were 17 fuels uh, submitted to an evaluation process four were selected in phase one. Then they down-selected down to two fuels in phase two, which just happened in the first quarter of 2016. So from here, we continue with two fuels in an evaluation through the end of 2018. So the key milestones you asked me, there's uh, an expectation for the EPA to issue an endangerment finding for lead, which we believe will be uh, coterminous with the FAA issuing fleet-wide approval of our fuel. So there's, that, that's the outcome of this evaluation. We're seeking a fleet-wide approval to, to, uh, for engines and airframes to use our fuel. And then we would expect a deployment plan that would effectively involve the, uh, you know, some form of termination of lead in the marketplace. It's a transition mm-hmm. period we'll have to go through to terminate lead. And then we'll introduce the fuel and, and market it accordingly. So when you talk about um, the lead, there's something called UL94. What is that, and and how is it progressing? Right. So the the final replacement fuel for 100 low lead requires the highest octane, in this case, at least 100 octane fuel. There are many aircraft in the fleet that never demanded 100 octane fuel. They They were thirsty for a lower octane anyway. So we decided to introduce a lower octane fuel to serve the needs of that segment of the fleet. As it turns out, we've gotten approvals to up to 65% of the U.S. fleet can actually, uh, let's say, drink this lower octane fuel if they so choose. It's still a challenge. There's distribution challenges. It's, you know, in certain markets, it may not be convenient or viable Mm -hmm. at this particular stage. But 
by getting an unleaded fuel out there, many pilots are saying, wow, I'm starting to learn the merits of unleaded. So we have the fuel. Uh, pilots are using our fuel from California to New York, from Michigan to Florida, and we, we have a big presence. For example, in Oshkosh this past year, pilots from all over the country were flying into jurisdictions where our fuel was located and able to use our fuel. And and that when I say the merits of unleaded fuel, it eliminates lead fouling. It, it reduces corrosion where lead gets into the oil mm-hmm. and can and be corrosive and damage the engine. And this eliminates all that. So all of a sudden, the pilots are realizing, wow, unleaded fuel is really much better for my aircraft and that my plane flies better. They like it. So it, it's a teaching moment. We're trying to educate the aviation community to really see the value of an unleaded fuel and help create uh, a pull towards the unleaded uh, goal of our of our of our longer term initiative. Sure. So, in addition to having an environmental benefit, it actually has a benefit for pilots and for fleets of aircraft because, as you say, uh, it it doesn't corrode the the equipment and uh, many of the other things that you just listed. So, it, it's always funny. You start out to solve one problem, and a lot of times you find other benefits along the way as well. And in this case, that's that's very true. Let's talk about. That's- Swift Fuels for just a minute. Um, is it a public company? What is the structure of Swift Fuels like? You know, I get asked that question a lot. So we're privately held. We're uh, we have a, a small number of uh, of investors. Most of them are located in South Dakota, but we have other investors around the country. Generally uh, accredited investors. Our chairman is Rob Broin. He's got a strong industry background from his time uh, with. Uh, the Broin Company, which is a very famous energy-related company from, mm-hmm. from years back. Um, we have, from time to time, uh, private placement offerings, which can come and come about. Uh, and we're looking at, we're thinking about our future financial uh, issues at the moment. We're, there's a possibility we might do an IPO or a possibility there's some uh, folks, let's just say they're interested in our company. So we're, we're kind of exploring our future path in terms of where we might go uh, towards funding. But, uh, you know, if anybody has interest in that, just you can look at our website and there's a contact page and just let us know and we can loop you into those discussions. And your website for all of our listeners is? www.swiftfuels.com. Okay, swiftfuels.com. Let's talk about your background, Chris, for a few minutes. You have been in the petro industry for about 30 years. What kind of a career path did you have that led you to where you are now here on the cutting edge in this entrepreneurial company? Uh, 30, that sounds like a big number. <laughs> I can say uh, that about my career, too. I know it's kind of overwhelming to be able to say my, 30. My background, I, I graduated college in industrial engineering, and I uh, spent the first 16 years as a consultant in the U.S., uh, internationally in, in Europe and in Latin America. And then I was hired away from that world to uh, work for a privately held company, Coke Industries. Mm-hmm. I worked for Coke and an affiliate of Coke for uh, 12 years, uh, had a lot of breadth of experience in different different roles and capacities, operations, mergers and acquisitions, regulatory compliance, and a number of other things, supply chain, global supply chain, had a lot of duties around the world. So um, from that, I went down into smaller companies uh, and got involved in uh, consulting as well. I was, I was still consulting with major oil companies, so most of the major oil companies I've visited a number of times throughout my career. So it's kind of a a smattering of big oil and uh, interesting small opportunities. And along the path, uh, Rob Broin contacted me uh, and told me that he had just acquired the majority control of this company. 
you know, it sounded interesting. Mm -hmm. So I took a look and here I am. Yeah. Changing the world, changing the world here. What are some of the other strategic issues that your company is facing right now besides the the regulation and the uh, legislation, the testing? Well, one of the, uh, as a small company, one of the key things that helps us uh, grow and survive in this market is our close relationship with our collaborators. So Mm. I mentioned earlier, we have a deep involvement with the ASTM, which is a cross-industry function of oil companies, engines, and airframe makers, and so forth. So our ability to have credibility with our involvement with those groups is very important. We have a close working relationship with Purdue University. We're here in the research park. Purdue's about a mile and a half down the road from my office, and we have uh, relationships with many, many departments in the university to help us uh, collaborate cross-industry with lots and lots of people. Um, We have in our relationship in selling UL94 that we talked about earlier, that puts us in the face of the pilots, our, the face of our customer, basically. But mm-hmm. we sell to airports. We talk to airport boards. We talk to distributors. We talk to lots and lots of people. And maintaining those collaborative relationships is, is really huge to our to our future. Unrelated to all of the things we've just talked about, we also sell some derivative fuels. We sell some small engine fuels for two and stroke, two and four stroke engines. We have a brand called Sure Starter, which we've sold to the uh, EMS and fire department uh, community, people who risk their lives for their for their chainsaws and power equipment to be able to start and function properly. So we have a real strong credibility with that space. And um, we also have some renewable fuel components, which are of interest to the military, the Navy, and some other folks in the Air Force, and our fuel has been tested by a number of giant entities, Rolls-Royce engines, British okay. Airways, and it's all come favorably. It, it's on a, a slow, long path, and uh, it, in many cases, that particular segment right there requires some federal subsidies because it's part of the renewable segment, and it's not in a stage. It's not, None of them are commercially viable to stand on their own two feet at this time, so we kind of I'll just say dabble in that space as interest for those kind of options comes available. So we have relationships with Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and some others that mm-hmm. deal on that front. So, it you know, we have some – we have our core business and we have some derivatives to our core business that keeps us focused. And we deal – we spend a lot of time strategically making sure we have effective relationships to help us grow. Yeah, and in answering that, you also answered my follow-up question, which is great, and that is what are the applications besides the – uh, aviation fuel, and it sounds like there are a number of them. One of the things I want to go back to that you just touched on briefly in that answer, you hear a lot of uh, talk about, especially in the entrepreneurial world, about the uh, ability to commercialize university research, and you mentioned your partnership there with Purdue. It sounds like that has been really, really key in in what you're trying to achieve. What are your thoughts on bolstering uh, the university research department's as to the you know so that they can get the funding they need and, and work with entrepreneurs to commercialize some of those results. Yes, so Purdue is extremely progressive when it comes to its relationship with commercial businesses. And I'm, as I mentioned, as a small company, uh, I wouldn't want to work with a university myself if if I didn't have some sort of control of the rights of the inventions right. and things that we come up with. And that's usually a, a, a giant issue when yeah. you're dealing with a major player, something like Purdue. But Purdue basically extends access to us with their top professors and their and their research arms, and we can structure it in a way where we can fully own the intellectual property that comes as a result of that. And that is just huge for a small company like ours. 
So they've been they're they're willing to do it basically any way you want to do it. And the fact that they're so flexible and collaborative in themselves and how they how they uh, create the opportunities to work with us. I've been to I, I've worked with some of the top people, chemical engineering, aviation technology, the business school. Uh, and many of uh, the chemistry department, there's some entrepreneurial groups in this what's called Discovery Park, uh, agricultural. There's just a lot of different people that have come across our path that have been willing to work with us and some other local companies here, too, in order to uh, to facilitate interesting opportunities and growth and growth prospects. Yeah. Well, when you talk about growth uh, prospects, what are some of the things that we should be watching uh, Swift Fuels for? Well, I think our number one, our core business is to solve the unleaded aviation gasoline issue. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, that's front and center. And uh, it involves a, a huge amount of complexity in the marketplace because there is a congressional action to make the PAFI program work. The FAA and the EPA are obviously fully committed and financially in, incented to help bring about the solution. So that's number one. Um, if If there are any of these derivative markets that I've mentioned that could grow into something much bigger. We're certainly interested in those. We have some technology that the refinery industry, in particular refinery and petrochemical industry, will find interesting at least. And, uh, you know, those are major players and we're a small fish, so we have to be cognizant of that fact. And humility is a core value of ours. But we, uh, we do believe we have something that's interesting and unique and different from the rest. And so we're, we're I guess, uh, focused on trying to make that become a reality. Well, it sounds like you're well on your way. We appreciate you taking the time to come and share your story and what it is that you're doing there at Swift Fuels. When you talked earlier, you mentioned your website. What is that again? And what are some of the things that you're looking for possibly from our audience today that could help your growth? So the the website is www.swiftfuels. I'll spell it S W I F T. F-U-E-L-S dot com. Um, and if any of, our, any of our listeners could, could help you in any way, uh, what are you looking for right now? Well, obviously moral support. There may be some <laughs> pilots that are interested in having our fuel at their airport, and they can certainly contact us for that. If there's accredited investors who might have a long-term interest in exploring SWIFT, uh, you know, you can let us know who you are and fill out a contact page on our website. Uh, there may be some venues that people want us to come talk like we talk to EAA chapters and airport boards and any you know air shows around the country there's thousands of them it's hard to get engaged but we can do those physically or on webinars or things like that we just want to be engaged and be dealing with people that are that are aligned to our goal of solving this problem so anybody that has an interest in that please let us know okay and they can do that through swiftfuels.com chris thank you so much for your time today fascinating story and we wish you the best of luck Thank you so much, Kelly. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Twitter at ithinkbigger or on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media. Have a great weekend. See you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.